You're listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm here with special guest Amy Owen for our second episode in a series that we started last week. We talked a little bit with Amy about God's plan for sex. And this week, we're going to be continuing on in that same vein, but we're going to be talking about the heart. And can we really trust our heart when it comes to matters of sex? If we're single or we're you know looking for that special someone in our life, you often hear in movies or in songs, you hear just this message of follow your heart and just go with what feels good. But is that really what the word of God says? And is our heart going to guide us in the right direction? And so Amy is going to be here with us again to just kind of navigate us through this topic and tell us what the word of God says about that. For those of you who have not listened to this podcast before, we are coming out of BeulahGirl.com, which is a blog for women. Um, I encourage you to jump on there and check out the full-length article that is going to be going um, along with this podcast. And if you'd like to put a comment in or have a question for either myself or Amy, you can do that. Jump on BeulahGirl.com and join us there. So Amy, let's go ahead and turn to you. When we initially talked about doing this series and I contacted you, one of the ideas you came back with right away was you told me you wanted to talk about God's um, just heart for sex, but also you wanted to talk about our heart and just the deceitfulness sometimes of our heart and what God's word says about that. So tell me a little bit about why this topic was interesting to you and why you wanted to talk about it in the article that you did. Absolutely. So this has just been something I've been wrestling with for a little while. Um, as I've been working as a counselor, um, there's just a lot of stress um, on the idea of knowing our feelings, knowing our desires and our needs. And I think that is all so healthy and good. Um, but as I explored it more, I just kind of felt this prodding and this um, almost, almost a restlessness in my heart where I thought, you know, Lord, what, what's your will with this? And, um, you know, when is this kind of becoming bigger than us following your Holy Spirit, this idea of almost making our feelings our guide? Um, and so I would hear this phrase all the time, and it's always said, you know, typically with the best intentions, you know, follow your heart. If you're trying to make a hard decision, what's your heart telling you? Do what your heart says, um, especially in like even TV shows I watch. I remember um, really sitting down and watching a TV show that my husband does not like me to watch, and it's a reality one, and they always say, well, just follow your heart. It'll lead you to the right place. And in that, there's this assumption that it's it's pure and it's going to lead us to where we ultimately need to be, whether that's that we are believers in God and we believe God's given it to us to lead us to the right thing, or if it's completely apart from God. Um, and I just don't think that that's the truth a lot of the time. It often leads us to make excuses, to make really poor decisions, um, because we say, well, my heart was leading me there. So, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And so I think that that just made me really start to look into what does that mean? Because I do believe our feelings are good um, and our desires obviously are good, but where's the limitation of that? And so that's kind of how I started getting interested and in looking more into it. And it's definitely still a process I'm exploring more. Um, 
but really I read this chapter in a book called When People Are Big and God is Small. It's by Edward T. Welch, and he wrote a chapter on this, and it just convicted my heart so much. Um, I think I underlined every single line in his book, um, but he really explored the topic, so I'll be talking a lot about different quotes from his book as well. As you're talking, for whatever reason, I'm hearing my heart will go on, that line from Titanic, which has yeah. really nothing to do with what we're <laughs> we're talking about. Um, but I just like hearing that line. So we've kind of mentioned um, that what we hear in culture about our heart mm -hmm. is contrary or different than what the the word of God says. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. In your article, you give some verses, you mm -hmm. talk about Jeremiah 17:9. Let's let's just kind of spend a moment just um, talking about what you've kind of learned as you've looked into scripture, what yes. the Bible tells us about mm -hmm. the heart. So in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And that has always been a verse I've struggled with. I talk about that a lot in the article. And just because I think as a counselor and as an optimist, I like to look for the best in people. And I want to believe that there's something just innately pure in every person. And part of me believes that's true in one hand. Um, I believe that God's fingerprint is on every person. He's given each of us unique giftings that reflect him in a way that only that specific person can do, that we all play specific roles. And, um, you know, just like the Bible says, we each have um, a part on the body. You know, we each have our own role that we play within the body of Christ. Um, and so I do think that that part is true. But at the same time, if that's in scripture, that the heart is deceitful above all things, that that means that our heart is sinful. Um, this heart, meaning this soul that is um, able to be twisted by the world, this soul that we are working towards making more Christ-like as we are in that process of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so um, I just, I loved Welch's words. He said, um, if we fail to recognize the reality and depth of our sin problem, God will become less important and people will become more important. So if we view our heart as pure, we almost lose our need for God. We think, well, if my heart is pure and my heart is good, then why would I need this righteous one to save me from my sins if right. I'm sinless and none of us are sinless? And so I think it just, it was very humbling for me to recognize that there can still be that goodness in a person and at the same time that heart that that is deceitful, that's going to lead us astray and um, lead us towards sin if we're not surrendering it towards the Holy Spirit. Right. I'm thinking back to sophomore year of high school and <laughs> Western civilization class and the teacher wrote a question on the board and says, you know, is man good or evil? And, you know, are we basically good or basically bad? And, you know, I had grown up in a Christian home, had been to church, but when she wrote that question on the board, I really didn't know what to, to think about that question. And I didn't know what I thought. And it's even been as an adult, one of the most, I think, pivotal conferences I've ever been to was just a conference called by divine design and this is a conference i went to a few years ago in my 30s and it just walks through genesis and just what god created us to be and how that was broken by sin mm -hmm. and for whatever reason just going through that conference i heard some of the same scriptures mm -hmm. i had heard my entire life but it was just like a light bulb went off and you know it, it was just the reality of oh my goodness yeah we were born or we were made to be with, you know, we had, God had an original intent when he designed and made us, mm -hmm. but that was marred by sin. And so every single person after that, every other person that's come into the world, we are born with sin, sin natures and separated from God. And it's only through 
belief in Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled to our Father and mm-hmm. that He renews us from the inside out and makes us mm-hmm. into what you know we we um, were always meant to be. But we cannot be remade unless we have that relationship with Him. But it is that question of you know are we basically good if we believe inside you know even Christians I've heard people say well. I'm a good person. And they Mm -hmm. kind of insist on that. Mm -hmm. And I've even had those moments in my own life, you know, where I've thought back and kind of saw myself as a victim and everyone else is bad Mm -hmm. and me is good. You know, no one else I'm sure Mm -hmm. thinks of that, but yeah, it really does. It does affect how we, um, our actions based on what we, do we really believe we need a savior? Do, do we believe if we do believe we're basically good, then we believe that you know, we're okay making choices without the help of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So very good that you bring that up. Let's just go ahead and um, move on then and talk a little bit um, about just the viewpoint that many have maybe outside the church or maybe Mm -hmm. some even within the church that, that you talk about in your article. And that is that submitting to the Holy Spirit is maybe some of God's laws are oppressive because mm-hmm. they don't like let us have what we want. So talk a little bit about that because, mm-hmm. you know, all of us, maybe, you know, um, even if we're in the church, sometimes some of God's, you know, laws within the word of God, sometimes they do come across as kind of rigid. So talk mm-hmm. a little bit about why we can view, view them as liberating rather than oppressive and how you talk about that in your article. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think, one of the biggest things that we talked a little bit about in the last podcast, but um, as I learned about God's character, um, I learned about how he sets these boundaries for us in a place of freedom um, rather than in a place of just like testing us or having rules and things like that. And so um, I think a lot of the times what happens is we end up mislabeling um, our desires as needs. And we say, you know, I need this from this person or I need this from this person. Um, you know, and it ends up almost setting that person up for failure. If I say, I need for you to do these things for me, um, it doesn't give them a lot of freedom to really grow into that. Whereas if I say, for example, to my husband, I desire for you to check in with me at the end of the day, that really means a lot to me instead of saying, I need for you to do this. Um, I mean, that in and of itself can feel oppressive to my husband because as soon as he doesn't do that, he's failing. But if I tell him I have a desire for you to do this, he can work towards that. And there's a place for kind of victory in that. Um, and so one of the or the or one of the quotes from Welch that he said is like, if we exalt the individual and make emotions the past to truth, whatever you feel most strongly, you'll start to consider as good and necessary for growth. Um, starting to think of that idea of... Um, discipline almost as oppressive because maybe I don't get my needs met. If I'm operating in discipline, am I still going to get my needs met? If I set a boundary, you know, around a relationship or, um, you know, for me, I know one of the things I've always struggled with is sloth. It's like really a hard one for me. I, you know, when I rest, I really like to rest and self-care is important, (laughs) but when do we go overboard with that? You know? And so I think a lot of the times it's one of those things where we can look into it and be like, well, you know, I need to do this for myself, but sometimes we're called to, you know, get up and move or whatever that <laughs> might look like, you know. And so, um, so as we, as our cultures become more self-centered, I think that a lot of times that integrity and discipline and service have kind of lost standing as priorities. We view them as um, an oppressive boundary rather than um, something that we've been made for. Um, and so that's kind of what I say about that. Right, and I think too the paradox with God is that it's actually when we obey and surrender 
that we actually find the most fulfillment and peace and joy. But it's not like the most fun thing to do. Like you said, like you, you're somebody who you just, you just kind of like to lay around yes. or you like to rest and care for yourself then. Yeah. And you feel like, okay, I need mm-hmm. to get up and maybe discipline myself to get some things done. Yes. You know, that tension that's there because it doesn't really feel good yes. to do it in the moment. You'd exactly. rather just lay on the couch, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was watching, it just came on TV. It was after a show we were watching and it was actually, it was a celebrity, it was like a music show and there was a couple celebrities that came out and do, did their music. But one celebrity came out and it's a particular celebrity that's been very vocal about her sexuality and just kind of being open and um, you know, embracing bisexuality mm-hmm. and just what do whatever feels good to you. And these big words in the back of her stage were love and justice. Mm. And there is that message out there that, that, that you're not a loving person if, um, if you don't just, you know, embrace the idea that everyone should just do what feels best. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not advocating going and acting in in hateful ways to people who think differently than you. Um, But there are very narrow boundaries that God Mm -hmm. gives us within his word. And what those are there for is to protect us and not to oppress us. And as far as love and justice, we have to get our ideas of love Mm -hmm. and justice from the creator of the universe. Yes. rather than just our own minds. Like I think about sometimes, okay, I've been on the earth 38 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much. <laughs> I think I'm going with the God who mm-hmm. laid out the boundaries for the earth, yep. who knows everything, who was there before time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go with his opinion. <laughs> but it is hard because it's that struggle. Yeah. Um, I love just as I was reading this section, there were just two verses that came to mind. that I just want to read Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your pathway straight. Mm-hmm. When we just rely on him, it's he works in us to make those things that are crooked in our life straight. Mm-hmm. And then another one I want to read that that is also um, just a love is Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart mm-hmm. for everything you do flows from it. Mm-hmm. When we raise up our own, you know, desires over what God would want for us, it's idolatry. Mm-hmm. We're worshiping self mm-hmm. over God. And that's not something we really like to think about. But when we just submit to him, even if it's hard, that's when, when our actions um, are, are pure, that they align with his and we find it, you know, he gives us the ability to do the right thing. Whereas when we raise self up, mm-hmm. then the actions that flow out of us are what we want and they lead us down a crooked path. Right. So very good that you um, bring that to our attention. You end by quoting Welch. Mm-hmm. saying there will be some situations where we should say where that Jesus does not intend to meet our needs, but that he intends to change our needs. Explain why this quote was meaningful to you and what advice you would give women who are listening, who are having difficulty submitting maybe their need. Mm-hmm. For instance, we've been talking about sex and intimacy. Maybe there's some woman listening who's saying, you know, I know what God's word says mm-hmm. about, you know, not being intimate with someone before marriage, but I'm just having a hard time submitting that area because I just, I want to be, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I'm lonely. Mm -hmm. I'm, I want to be with someone. I don't want to be by myself and I don't know when marriage is going to happen for me or just some other area of their life. They're having a hard time 
laying down their own will. What would what would you say to them um, about submitting their needs mm-hmm. um, and going with what God says instead? Yeah. So I would first off say that is such a common struggle. I mean, that makes so much sense if you think about just what you were talking about, about how common it is for us to be told, do what feels good. You know, do what you want. You know, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, just do what you want. What, would, what bad would come with that? Um, and I think, again, that just goes back to, having to trust the Lord that if he set a boundary that it actually was for our good and for, you know, his will for our lives. Um, And so, for example, one of the things, how I see this all connecting with sexuality is, um, that's a great example that you brought up about wanting to be physically intimate with somebody, either somebody that you love or just, like you said, being lonely and desiring that. Um, But one of the things that I see as far as why God has asked us um, to wait rather than just fall in our heart, which our heart is going to tell us, be physically intimate with this person because you love them. Your heart is um, close with them and you probably have a level of commitment to them in most cases. And so why would he ask us to wait? But what I see it as is him developing character within us. So we we will have to learn to develop um, patience with one another and that self-sacrifice and things like that in order to have a successful marriage. And so if we start learning to put ourselves first, like you were talking about, and go through that crooked path, um, when we're in premarital relationship, once we get into marital relationship, it can be that much harder than to have to You know, for example, even something as silly as doing the dishes for your spouse when they're having a bad day. That takes a lot of self-sacrifice. You might have had a bad day yourself, too. And you might come home and say, I don't want to serve you in this way. But if we've taught ourselves, we'll just do what feels good. You're not going to do the dishes. (laughs) But if I've taught myself, okay, well, sometimes there's times when I need to put my spouse above, you know, myself. Or there's times I need to put the Lord's will above myself. Even if my spouse is, you know, annoying me that day, that's a character issue. That's something that the Lord works in us. And I just think that this is a way he sets us up well to develop that pattern. But that being said, if it's something that you've already been struggling with, if you are sexually active with your boyfriend or girlfriend and things like that, and you still, you know, think that you want to continue this relationship, I do believe there's room for repentance and restarting that um, pattern in that relationship. And so I think, you know, ask the Lord what his will is for you in that. But if you do believe that this is still a person that you can um, be in godly relationship with, I do think he gives you an opportunity to repent and then start that. Or if you did start your marriage, you know, and y'all were having sex before, and this has been something that's been difficult as you've walked into your marriage to then know how do we have godly sex in our marriage when before we really struggled there's such healing and repent. If you repent of that and you um, invite him to then come into your sex life, I totally believe he will honor that. And so know that there's no, um, there's no kind of point of no return by any means. There's definitely um, room for him to grow that in you. Um, And then the other thing I love is just Psalm 37, four, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, I've always looked more so at the second part of that. He will give me the desires of my heart. Um, But specifically in talking about this topic, I looked more into that first part um, with that quote of where Welch talks about, he might not intend to meet our needs, but intend to change our needs. So if I feel like my need is for intimacy in a physical sense, when I look into this verse and I think about that take delight in the Lord, I think that he will change our desires, that our, whatever that looks like, he'll meet our need in another way. Um, A lot of the times, for example, struggling with masturbation might be a desire for intimacy that he can then meet in another way, whether it be through a really close friendship that you might have with a, you know, a same-sex friend or a really close, um, 
intimate time with him and his word, um, you know, a quiet time. And um, he might be able to meet that need in another way as we just spend time enjoying him. I think he changes our hearts to where our desires then can shift. So just encouragement um, that the needs that we have, we, I do believe he is faithful to shift them or change them or meet them in a way we might not have expected before. So just encourage you not to give up, even if it looks like He might not be meeting your needs. Ask him how he is or ask him to meet them, um, whatever that may look like. Right. We can go to him and say, you know what? I'm struggling with this, Mm -hmm. Lord, and be honest. And it's okay to just lay it bare, whatever it is, and say, I I can't, I feel like I can't change myself in this area. Will you help me? Yes. And it's that daily dependence on him to, to overcome whatever it is you feel like this is too strong for me to even master by myself. Mm-hmm. And it applies to so many other areas. Like you're saying, we're, we're talking about love and we're talking about intimacy and sex, but this can apply to so many areas. For instance, you know, I'm just was thinking as I was preparing for this podcast, you know, of a dream in my heart that has been there for a long time that God has said no to me so many times in this dream um, and just said, not yet, close certain doors. And I've said, you know, it's been painful and it's been hard, but ultimately I know that it's for a reason. And that there will be some point that I'll be able to look back and say, thank you, Lord, <laughs> that you made me wait. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, it's not easy in the moment while the wait is happening. So yeah. it can extend to so many other areas, but just trusting that God has our best in mind, mm-hmm. that he's not wanting to punish us or just, you know, make us live miserable lives that he's protecting us and that he wants the best for us, but we have to submit what we want to, to, um, and, and submit to him and, and go with what he says. Amy, thank you once again for being with us, offers just some great, uh, advice and things to think about and just mull over. Again, if you'd like to make a comment in regards to this article, or maybe you have a question for Amy, go ahead and jump on BeulahGirl.com. I'm just going to go ahead and end us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word that outlines how we are to act and conduct ourselves. And Lord, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we want things that you say no to or our desires go against what is your best for us. And Lord, I pray in those moments that rather than just plunge ahead and go with what feels best, that we would pause. And even if it's hard, we would turn to you, that we would rely on you for help. We say, Lord, I will do what you want me to do because I know it will be better in the long run. Lord, just give us the discipline and help us to discipline ourselves and do what it says in your word rather than what our emotions tell us or what someone else tells us or what the culture would have us to do. And thank you, Lord, just that you give us the ability when we turn to you to control ourselves. You give us um, just the ability to master whatever it is that is so strong in our lives when we turn to you and ask for help in that area. Thank you just for being a good God and that you care about every area of our life, even intimacy, even sex, even dating. Um, Lord, let's just turn to you in every area. In Jesus' name, amen.